Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 36 plus 10. That means 46. <laughs> episode 46 of Unscripted. I am one of your hosts, Bill Petrie. And with me, as always, is my good pal from Coshocton, Ohio, Kirby Hossman. Kirby, I love to ask this question, and I love your answer even more. How the hell are you? Yeah, I am doing fantastic. I was just trying to figure out how, how old I was if it was 21 plus 22. Uh, so if this is episode 36 plus 10. <laughs> It is episode 36 plus 10. I like it, man. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. And do you know that episode 36 plus 10, do you know who it's sponsored by? Who's that, Bill? Our really great friends at Common Skew, and we've talked about it a little bit here, but you know, if you are a distributor and you want to spend less time entering orders and more time selling, and frankly, who the hell doesn't? <laughs> right. You want to look amazing in front of your clients. You want to keep your team organized. You want to improve your workflow and see everything happening in your business on a dashboard. It's time to give Common Skew a try. And they have built a cloud-based system. You can work from anywhere. It's fast, easy to use, beautifully designed. And my favorite, it's built just for the promotional products industry. It keeps you organized and sane. So we implore you to go to commonskew.com backslash unscripted for a free trial. They're going to set you up nice there and really give you a a good uh, view of how it works and how it can positively impact your business. I love it, man. I love it. They're going to set you up nice. They are going to set you up nice. That's a technical term. Yep. Don't try Don't try that uh, unless you've really practiced that. Again, <laughs> I am broadcasting at an exceptionally high level today. So, as always. As always. And Kirby, I want to thank you, as always, for having the courage to do this podcast with me. Yeah. So do you have a topic you want to start us off with? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited about the topics today. I think we're going to have some fun. Um, I'll start with one that is sort of in the industry, sort of um, just in the business world. Um, you know, it's, it's May. Uh, so, you know, June, July, and August are right around the corner. So, you know, I have always been under the idea that, you know, summer is a slowdown season um, in sales and for us in particular um, in the promo world. I guess I, I just want to throw it out to you. Do you think that there is, a, if this is, is this a myth? Is it real? Is it created by us who want to take vacations? Uh, what do you think about it? Do you think the summer slowdown is real? The summer slowdown is absolutely real. Um, I don't think it's as real as impactful as people would like to have it be. Mm. I think it tends to be a crutch and an excuse for people. But the fact is, if you look at uh, your sales on a monthly basis, Mm -hmm. it will take a dip generally in uh, January, February and uh, July, August. It just it just does. A lot of clients go on vacation. Uh, you know, their, their budgets are earmarked for the, the fall gift giving season. So it is real, but I do think it's something that the mediocre salesperson will embrace like a, <laughs> like a granola chewing uh, someone from Colorado embracing a tree. Um, 
for an excuse, right? Yeah. Because it's an easy, oh, man, I can't possibly sell more in July than I did in May because, hey, man, summer slowdown. Right. Here's what I look at it as. It is going to be a time when your clients will likely slow down a little bit. But what better opportunity to free up your time and get off your ass and go get some new business? Yeah. I mean, there, we, we talk about um, how busy we are. And you and I both have, have a, a specific disdain for that word. <laughs> yeah. Because we're all busy. Every yeah. person we know is busy. They've got families. They've got kids. They've got jobs. They've got to drive their kids everywhere. All the things that make life busy. Yeah. If it's important to you, if growing your business is important to you, when things do slow down, you'll take advantage of that and find new clients. So I'm going to answer your question this way. It's not a myth, but people like to perpetuate it as this gigantic myth so that they don't have to work hard. No, I, I think I think that's about right on, man. I I because I, I have um, has probably my slowest sales month ever was in July 10 years ago or whatever it was. It was just one of those months that it, you know, nothing was coming through. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I mean, being from a colder weather state, I actually like summer selling's the best, right? Because sure. you actually get to get out and see clients when it's not November rain. Um, so I, I like what you're saying in, in being the proactive side of it and getting out and seeing people, uh, not only to prospect for new clients, but use the, the uh, beautiful day to go out and actually say thank you for the business you've already got. All right, here's the thing. Salespeople can, some, salespeople can and will always find an excuse not to sell. It's mm -hmm. raining today. No one wants to see me on a rainy day. It's Friday afternoon. It's after 2 o'clock. No client's going to want to talk to me then. It's Monday morning. They're just getting in their office. No one's going to want to talk to me. <laughs> we can talk ourselves. That's a wonderful thing about us as human beings. We are really exceptional at talking ourselves out of doing anything that's difficult. Yeah. And that we don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, I don't care what job you have, there are things you don't want to do. I tend to do the things I don't want to do first. Yeah. So when I was carrying a bag, I, I hate prospecting. I yeah. don't know many salespeople who do like prospecting. It sucks. It's very difficult. It, it's not a lot of fun. But that's the first thing I would do every single day day because then it wasn't looming over me like the sword of damocles which is this is the only podcast you're going to hear the sword <laughs> of damocles uh next uh, two weeks but i wouldn't have that that yeah. dark cloud hanging over me of oh shit i got a prospect yeah it it by by doing the things i don't want to do first it gets me out of that funk and i wish more p salespeople did that and so again that the that summer selling season where it's a little little bit of a decline business might not be as robust what a what a great time. Like you said, get outside, get out and enjoy the, uh, the, the process and go find some new clients. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff, man. What about you? Well, real quick, and if you think whoever's listening to this as a salesperson, if you think I'm talking to you, you're damn right. I am. <laughs> That's right. All I right. What's All right. next? So I've got something um, that's – I've got a little bit of a rant, Kirby. All right, cool. All right. So last year – the big product search was the Yeti. Yeah. Who's got a Yeti? I want a Yeti. Does anyone know how to decorate a Yeti? Asking for a friend. <laughs> so this year's Yeti is the fidget spinner. Are you yeah. familiar with the fidget spinner? I have seen it on, on the Facebook. Okay. So for those of you who don't know what a fidget spinner is, it's a well-lubricated ball-bearing fidget 
uh, almost looks like a propeller, and you can spin it. It's just something to do with your hands while you're not writing or typing or doing something like that. Making sales calls. Exactly, <laughs> while you're not making sales calls, while you're making all sorts of excuses. Man, I got a fidget spinner to spin. I can't possibly <laughs> prospect today. Um, but it's really big with, I'd say, about fifth graders up to about eighth graders. And it's gotten so bad here in Tennessee that they've actually banned fidget spinners from school. <laughs> and I know this won't shock you, but my my two twin boys love the fidget spinner. Sure. So now that seems to be this year's Yeti. Okay. Yeah. Is I... is that even a product? It's, it's it's a very fad based product. A sure. Yeti's not a Yeti to me. It, it's a it's a name brand. It's it's certainly very functional. There's a lot of Yeti knockoffs that are. Just as good, if you ask me, in terms of quality. People are always going to want quality drinkware. The fidget spinner. I see people jumping on this like nobody's business, especially a lot of companies that went to the Hong Kong gift show yeah. last week in Hong Kong, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew the Hong Kong gift show is actually in Hong Kong. Um, they, From what I've heard from people from Prime and a couple other businesses, that fidget spinner's everywhere. Do you see that as a... As a distributor of promotional products, do you see that as a viable product that you want to jump on board with? Now, I know you're in Coshocton, Ohio, mm-hmm. so you get fads a little bit later than the yep. rest of the country. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you're gearing up for fidget spinners being the big thing in 2023. <laughs> but if you could put yourself in the position of somebody actually in a, uh, a suburban area or an urban area, do you think it's a viable product that's something you'd want to sell to your clients? I hate to give you the, the it depends answer, but it depends, right? I mean, if I'm working with a nonprofit that markets to (laughs) kids in that age range, sure, interesting, but only for a short period of time. Um, And I think that's kind of the key is just understanding that if you are the person that your clients look to, to be on the cutting edge of what's hot and what's new, I mean, yeah, I think you need to at least understand what those fads are. I don't think you build a long-term business on it. That would be, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, it does make sense. I, I, It's one of those things that's fad-based, so everybody's jumping on board. And sure. if you go on the promotional products professionals page on Facebook, there's all sorts of questions about it and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, if look, I, I agree with you. If your client wants it, sell it. But I would not try to build a business around it. That's for damn sure. No, that's fair. But on the other hand, I, I, I do pride myself, and I think a lot of um, top-notch um, promotional products professionals do pride themselves on understanding what the trends are, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in, uh, you know, trying to meet the needs and being the first person to show your best clients what's going to be the next big thing. Um, right. Even if even if it's not appropriate for them, sometimes I think it's important to let your clients know that you know what's going on. By the same token, I would also suggest suppliers be very careful with taking on too much inventory. Yeah, I agree with that. Seems, this seems to be the thing that is going to be gone in a flash. Yeah, that's there's going to be a lot of these in somebody's warehouse for sure. Yeah, we're, we're stacking them deep and selling them cheap. Who wants a fidget spinner? <laughs> Love it. All right, Kirby, what else you got for us? Okay, I'm going to go away from business for a second. Um, okay. So... <laughs> There's, it feels like there's a, a sort of a new trend and maybe it's an old trend and it's just getting to me. Uh, but it, so this new trend is that people are inviting guys, men to baby showers. Um, and I, you know, I think it was really funny because this past weekend I was literally invited to three different baby showers and all of them were like, Hey, it's for guys too. 
Um, it's so funny because this is going to be one of those moments where somebody might be like that I'm being sexist, but I want to say something out loud and I would like for your opinion on it. No, it's not for guys. It's not. <laughs> Baby showers are not for guys. Not interested. And there's no, you can add beer to the mix and it's still not going to make me interested in it. I went to one because I was like, okay, I'll try to be a team player. And they had beer and everything. And they still, it still was wildly uninteresting. And it was still fascinating for me to watch the the husband uh, act interested in diaper bags because he wasn't. <laughs> There's no, no level of his interest that was really, and he was, oh my gosh, look how nice it is because that's what he has to do. And that's fine. But my new rule, and I've put this in place and I've told my wife, is that if I am not in attendance at the conception, I'm not going to the baby shower. So okay. that's my new rule. So what do you okay, think of that? I, I think it's a good rule. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been to baby shower. <laughs> Got to be honest. With you. As well it should be. Yeah. Because here's the thing, Bill. Like the like women, they're pushback. I can't wait to hear this. But they're going to say, well, we don't want to go to baby showers either. Which is sort of the social equivalent to saying, hey, look, this food tastes awful. Try it. Just because you don't want to go doesn't mean you should invite me. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, we had a couple's baby shower back 14, 15 years ago when the kids were, you know, cooking. In <laughs> and uh, I remember going, and I remember most of the guys, you know, for most of the party, we'd stand around and, and drink beer and kind of say, yeah, why are we all here? And <laughs> there was the horrifically awkward moment where I had to help open gifts. Yes. It was, it was, oh, wow. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> side by side stroller. Thank you. And and honestly, you know, you appreciate that stuff. It's of course. Just, you know, I, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Okay. Um, I think it's just part of our evolving culture where um, those sexual lines are just blurred. So, you know, I think it's okay where not sexual like Caitlyn Jenner. Get your mind out of the game. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, but I think you know, I think it's I think it's good that you participate in that. I think it's it's you know, I I don't have an issue with it. I, I think your rule. I, I is love moot. I love that you say, you started by saying I haven't been to a baby shower in 14 years and that I'm wrong because well, <laughs> I was just at one this weekend and I'm telling you you're wrong. <laughs> I think that just means I haven't been invited, which is probably more an indictment on my social skills than anything yeah. else. Um, I, I, why were you, why were you invited to do a baby shower? I, it's I asked the same question. Apparently, I'm too nice. I think this will solve that. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. That's I'm, all I I'm had. moving on. Yeah, I am officially please. moving on. I'm not even asking you if you're done. <laughs> I'm moving on. So I, I was just thinking, and I just want to ask this question to you, and we'll go back to business and marketing. Sure. I feel like, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there really trying to build a brand, which I love. I really enjoy. I, I think um, it's something that each person, salesperson, um, marketing person, whatever, whoever you are, you need to build a personal brand. Mm -hmm. But I see so many people, they seem to spend so much time marketing to what they think their target audience wants as, to, as opposed to what the person actually marketing wants. Let me give you an example. So when, when I you know, made a decision about three or four years ago to really put myself out there, 
and uh, build my own brand, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. I made the decision to do it exactly my way. My thoughts, uh, when I wrote blogs, it wasn't trying to pander to an audience. I wasn't trying to write what I thought anybody would want to read. I wrote what I wanted to read. Okay. So I was authentic to myself. And what I feel like I'm seeing is a lot of people trying to build a brand by by pandering, mm-hmm. by saying, I think this is what will resonate with an end user yeah. or a client. Do you think we spend too much time marketing to what we think people want as opposed mm-hmm. to doing what we want, knowing that there's people like us out there? Because that was always my philosophy. If I like this there's got to be at least a segment of the audience that's going to think like I do. Mm, no, I think that's, it, it, you know, I think it's really interesting. It's a question that um, that I struggle with, um, if you want to know the truth. So I, I honestly try to create a little bit of a mix because, you know, one of the things that people who are very good at content marketing will tell you is that you need to create persona, uh, you know, buyer personas. So that when you create content, you do create it with other people in mind. Um, and s- on the other side, sometimes, um, you know, what comes the easiest to me is sort of what you said. I tend to write more personal development stuff, more things that, you know, resonate in my world. And those are easier for me to write. Um, but I think, I guess my thought is it would need to be a mix. It's a mix of, look, I think the stuff that the personal development stuff does resonate with a wide audience. But I also, if I want to have clients that are HR directors, I do need to think about the kind of content they would be interested in. And, and I do understand that to a point. Right. Um, look, it, it's like a, a rock band. Look, there are there are plenty of rock bands that know how to write a hit song. Sure. And they will sit down with the conscious effort of writing a hit song. And there's nothing wrong with that doing that occasionally. There's nothing wrong with trying to uh, speak to as many people as possible. My challenge comes when I see people, it feels like they're so inauthentic. Right. Right? Yeah. So. No, and I, 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 and honestly, I think that that, and it, your point is super well taken. I mean, it really kind of hits home with me right now because I am actively trying to write stuff for different audiences. And so it is, it's a balancing act to try and say, look, I'm, these are ways that we can help you solve your problem, but doing it in a way that is your actual voice. It is. And that's, yeah. I guess that's what it is. It's being authentic. Yeah, it's for sure. being authentic. Because you can appeal to a wide audience by being authentic. Oh, yeah. No, I like it. You got a quick topic for us or no? Yeah, I do. Uh, so you work from a home office. Kirby, I do work from a home office. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> yep. And I work, you know, out of my home in an office. And, you know, I think... Each of them have their issues um, or their challenges and their pluses and their minuses. Um, you have obviously chosen to work out of your home. So I, I kind of wanted to give you uh, the chance to tell us if you think that works well for you. And then I'll give you kind of my take on, you know, why I have one outside of the home. Yeah, no, I it's it's very interesting you brought this up. And we folks, we did not discuss this. Um, so I will answer that uh, very honestly. So uh, school is out here in about two and a half weeks. Okay. And my kids are 14. <laughs> and I 
summer is a very challenging time for me to work out of the house, quite frankly. Mm. Um, there's a fight for internet bandwidth. <laughs> there is a fight for, uh, you know, quiet when I'm recording a podcast, for example, or things like I'm on a conference call with, with a client. So I actually have made the decision that this summer I've, I've uh, connected with a friend of mine in the industry who used to be on the PPAMS board with me, owns a business here in Nashville, <laughs> and at a very very cost effective rate i'm i'm gonna have a cubicle in his office this really summer. okay and i'm and i'm planning on going there probably three to four days a week from about nine to four or eight to three or something like that you know get out of, i don't want to deal with traffic because it is a little bit of a distance but i think i need the the change of pace where i'm not i don't want to ruin my kid's summer um right. by being you know such a ding dong and screaming at everything and hey i need you to be quiet it's not fair to them but more importantly, it's not fair to me, yeah. and I, I need the break. And plus, I do like working in an office with people, so I think it'll give me a nice mix. So I have that's, a feeling that's kind of the direction you're going to lean, but uh, very interesting you asked that. Yeah, that is – the timing is really interesting, so that's cool. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I – when I first started this business, I started right out of my house um, – and it was what was funny is when I first got in the industry, I actually was really concerned that I would if I worked from home, I'd you know watch Three's Company reruns and drink beer and eat Cheetos and not work. Um, what I found was the opposite. Um, when your office is in your house, or at least for me, and at the time I was you know the sole guy, so we had video, we had all that stuff. So I literally was always working. I'd get up at six in the morning and I'd walk directly to my office, and then you know ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night, I'd walk out of my office and go to bed. Um, and so at one point it was a particularly cold winter, and I was like, okay, Amy, we need to go on vacation because I have to leave this house or I'm going to go postal on somebody. Uh, right. And that was when I decided, okay, you need an office so you can have some level of separation. Um, so it's that yeah, that's the reason for me. And I run into that too. Um, I tend to be my most productive in the morning. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, we'll see. I mean, I get up early, I go work out, um, I come back and I'm, I'm usually pounding in, in the office by 6.30 in the morning. Nice. Um, and so I, I'll probably kind of gauge what time my kids get up in the morning and then coincide my departure time with that. Yeah. Uh, just I like to, it. Again, they, they deserve to have a summer too. Yeah. So I've got one more quick, yeah, qu good question. It. I got one more quick one. So um, I, I'm a lover of music. You know that. I love live music. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't think I've ever asked Kirby this. Okay. What is the worst concert you've ever attended and do you need time to think about it while I, I share mine or do you know this off the top of your head yeah you go ahead i think right. i know but let me think about this it. will stun people okay so i hope you're all sitting down oh. in 2002 sammy hagar and david lee roth toured together it was called the pound for pound best singer in rock and roll tour something like that so it's basically the two lead singers of van halen and yeah. they alternated nights opening up so one night dave would open up sammy would close and then the next night sammy would open up and dave would close well it so happened the night i went uh sammy hagar opened was great mm -hmm. was fantastic and david lee roth closed the show and it was basically watching a van halen tribute band with a guy who can't sing <laughs> i actually walked out of the concert wow i've never left a concert in my entire life and that's the only concert i've ever left and it was david lee roth in his very weak van halen cover band wow worst concert i've ever been to wow okay um i guess mine the, it, i haven't been to a lot of bad ones if you want to know the truth so I've, I've been pretty lucky in that way um probably the worst was one of my first um i went to see def leppard um 
toward the end of their, <laughs> I, I, I think it was, as you look back at the behind the music stuff, I think it was in the height of their uh, alcohol and drug reign. And mm-hmm. uh, I, the music wasn't that great. I wasn't that into it. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like terrible, but that was probably the worst one. Okay. That's, that's, that's regrettable. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, what's not regrettable Kirby. What's that? If you've chosen to put your promotional products business and run it through common skew for sure, because it is, I'm telling you from a cloud-based perspective, it's beautifully designed. And if you're looking to take your promotional products distributorship to the next level, from a technology perspective, there's nowhere you should go besides CommonSkew. So please give it a try. Go to commonskew.com backslash unscripted for your free trial. I promise you, you won't be sorry you did. You won't, you won't nearly be as sorry as I was going to the David Lee Roth concert <laughs> or as Kirby was going to that Def Leppard concert. Yeah, for sure. No, I love it, man. Excellent. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unscripted this week. On behalf of Kirby Hosman, I'm Bill Petrie, and we're going to say see you next week. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday only at promocorner.com, the leading digital marketing service for the promotional products industry.